Hey friends, do you remember that improv game show, Whose Line Is It Anyway, from the early 2000s? Every episode of the show began like this. And welcome to Whose Line Is It Anyway, the show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Uh... The show was hilarious because you never knew what to expect. There were no scripts, it was just audience prompts and wild scenarios. And the setup was straightforward. You had a rotating cast of people, and they would just respond to cues and suggestions. They'd make things up right there on the spot, in hopes of scoring imaginary points awarded to them at the whim of some guy in charge. Basically, it was just your everyday life. This episode is about what happens when we realize everything is made up. is a very fluid concept right now. It's culture and film and art. It's music and interesting books. It's conversations and eavesdroppings. It's the impact of friends and complete strangers. The stuff that gets into the cracks of your life and makes you who you are. It's an attention collection. You already have one. The question is, how are you using it? The other day I decided I was going to finally tackle a home project I'd been putting off for weeks or months, depending on who you ask. But anyway, I was putting up wallpaper in the bathroom and my daughter Isabel came in and she decided she was going to help. So I was showing her how to line up the seams and keep the pattern going. And she decided right there, this was her career. She was going to drive to people's homes with different wallpaper options and install it for them right on the spot. And I told her to go for it. Listen, child labor laws might get in the way a little bit, but sure, in a few years, go for it. And then she said something to me that I wasn't expecting. She looked up and said, you can make up your job. And I stopped what I was doing and looked at her and she continued. And you can make up how much people pay you. And that's when I laughed. I just sat there and marveled at the wisdom of a six-year-old. Just this matter-of-fact declaration. And of course, she's absolutely right. I think we forget it. But everything is just made up anyway. Every career, every job, every industry. So why not make the life we want to live? Now I know the immediate pushback. I realize the limitations of existing within a capitalistic society. We have bills to pay and responsibilities to uphold, literal mouths to feed. And so to exist within a society, there are unspoken agreements we must follow. But even that is flexible. Most of what we call life is just an old script that we're all too scared to change. It's like speaking old English on a spaceship. It doesn't make sense anymore. We're past that, but we all just go along with it. Now, let me just say from the outset, just because it's made up doesn't mean it's wrong. This is where discretion comes in. For instance, you won't get very far at work by telling your boss, yeah, I won't be coming in at nine anymore because that's a made-up schedule, and I'm just choosing my own. So I'll see you when I see you. You could do that, 
but you're probably not going to last very long. If you value that paycheck, you got to punch that clock on time. It's simple. But here is where you may feel the push to reevaluate money and career and success as we've come to know it. Because let's be honest, success is relative. You don't have to follow someone else's script. There's a story that's been around for a while. No one knows the author. I actually first encountered it on the wall at a sandwich shop, for whatever it's worth. But I think it applies here. It's the story of an American investment banker and a Mexican fisherman. So the banker is on a much-needed vacation. He's worn down. He needs to get away from the hustle and bustle of life. And so he goes to this Mexican village, this coastal town, and he's walking along the pier, and he sees a small boat. And there's just one fisherman inside, and he gets closer, and he sees inside the boat there are these beautiful large fin tuna. And so the banker compliments the fisherman on the quality of the fish, and he asks him, you know, how long have you been out here? And the fisherman just shrugs, oh, you know, only a little while. And so the banker says, why not stay out longer? You'd catch so many more fish. And the fisherman just says, I only fish enough to support my family's immediate needs. And so the banker follows up, but what do you do with the rest of your time? The fisherman responds, I sleep late, I fish a little, I play with my children, I take a siesta with my wife Maria, we stroll into the village every evening, and I sip wine, and I play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life. And the banker responds, well listen, I'm a Harvard MBA, and I can help you. Here's what you should do. You spend more time fishing, and with the proceeds, you buy a bigger boat. And with the proceeds of that boat, you buy several boats. Eventually, you're going to have a fleet of fishing boats. Instead of selling your catch to a middleman, hustling for that money, you sell directly to the processor. And then eventually, you open your own cannery. Now, this is where you control the product. You control the processing. You get hands on the distribution. And of course, you'll probably have to leave this town. You'll move to Mexico City and then eventually to L.A., and probably New York, where that's where you'll be running your expansive enterprise. And the fisherman just responds, how long will that take? And the banker says, well, 15 to 20 years. But what then? The banker laughs. Oh, oh, listen, when the time is right, you announce an IPO, you sell the company stock, and you sit back because you're making millions. Millions, the fisherman responds. And then what? The banker leans back. Well, then you retire. You move to a small coastal fishing village where you sleep late, you fish a little, you play with your kids, you take a siesta with your wife, and then you stroll to the village in the evening. You sip wine and you play guitar with your amigos, oh. So let me ask you this. Who's the one spending his life sweating over made up rules for success and points that don't actually matter? And who's just enjoying the improv of it all, taking life as it comes, compiling what is needed and letting go of the rest, playing by rules that he makes up instead of the rules that society dumps on him?
This also makes me think of a true story in James Victory's book, Feck Perfection. Yes, that's the title, and you should read it. He writes, I had a young protege. He wanted to be a screenwriter, but his father encouraged him to be a bricklayer, like himself. It was his lot in life, his father said. The arts don't make money. Bricklaying is a decent wage, and the world needs bricklayers. You'll be one like me. For 10 years, my young savant laid bricks and swallowed his dreams. And one day, his father's best friend died, presumably from laying bricks. At the funeral, the father got up to read a eulogy he had written. My friend was moved to tears, not by the eloquence of the goodbye, but by the realization that his father was a writer. Ooh, I get chills reading that. This young man was stifling his dreams because he didn't want to let down a dad who probably stifled his own dreams because he didn't want to let down his dad. And the cycle continues. This is no way to live. I realize this is very sensitive territory in a world right now where so many people are laid off from their jobs, so many people are just scratching to survive. But assuming we have it within our grasp to choose, assuming we don't have to buy into the success story that we are given, once we get past food in the fridge and heat in our homes, we don't have to live by other people's measures of success. And in fact, when we do so, we rob ourselves and other people of the opportunity to be inspired. In fact, you can be a writer who just happens to lay bricks for money. That flips and changes everything. I think about what Mark Manson said in his book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a f He says, you can't be an important and life-changing presence for some people without also being a joke and an embarrassment to others. And I think therein lies the problem for so many of us. We're afraid to fail. We're afraid to step out of the lane. We're afraid to swim upstream and go against the norms that we are handed from birth. And that's fine. That's normal. And no one's forcing us to. But every exceptional person in our society, everyone who's ever made important change or paved the way for others, has understood this at a cellular level. I'm thinking of people like Claudette Colvin and Malala Yousafzai and Greta Thunberg and Jimi Hendrix, Jim Henson, Lady Gaga, Bob Dylan, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, RuPaul, Harvey Milk. I'm thinking of people like Ava DuVernay, who at the age of 32 decided to go all in with filmmaking. A black woman director in an industry that is predominantly male and predominantly white. And she has said, who are we asking for permission to do what we want to do? That should be eradicated. And that's strong language, but it's necessary language. Oh, and by the way, she's the first black woman to direct a film that was Oscar-nominated for Best Picture. So I get the feeling she knows a little bit about what she's talking about. I think she gets the floor on this one. It makes some people very uncomfortable 
when you decide to live off script. It's like if someone showed up expecting you to perform Shakespeare, but you decide to freestyle instead. It's jarring, but that's precisely where the freedom is. Why do we spend so much time living like we're filming a documentary? When really we're just improving on stage with a bunch of other people who are responding to cues and making it up on the spot. There's so much freedom in just embracing that perspective. For instance, if or when you become a parent, or maybe you already are, what you quickly realize is that your parents had no idea what they were doing. Your teachers, they were just passing along what someone taught them. And the business leader you admire, the one that's on the cover of magazines, the one doing keynote speeches, is making it all up as she goes. Will you just do yourself a favor? Will you just rip up the script? Will you let yourself off the hook and breathe and just enjoy yourself for a little while? If you've ever been to a good improv show, one thing immediately stands out. It's so hard to believe that these people didn't plan out every single move ahead of time. It's seamless. It's an art form. You throw a random scenario at them and they just come alive. They inhabit the scene as if they'd been living it their whole lives. And you can change it up right in the middle, mid-sentence, and they just adapt. They make it work. How do they pull that off? Practice, obviously. They get up every night, night after night, knowing they might fall flat on their faces, but they just run with it. And here's the real secret to their success. They don't take themselves seriously. They know it's all made up anyways, so they just put it all out there. It might work. It might not. Oh well, there's another prompt coming. There's another chance to try. The same is true for your life. Which brings me back to the wise words of my six-year-old daughter, Isabel Grace. You can make up your job. That's it. You can decide your own success. You can design your own community. You can take siestas and laugh way too loud at ridiculous jokes. You can make a complete fool of yourself because you are in on the secret. Everything's made up and the points don't matter.